Welcome to TNT's Hit Songs from Mars, where we unravel the stories behind some of pop's most unlikely hits. From simple curiosities to songs that changed the world, we examine the socio-political and cultural factors that contributed to the success of these surprising outliers and the impact these songs had on society. I'm Tom Thompson. And I'm Tyler Alston. And together we're TNT. Hey, Tom. T, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. We've come out of our deep freeze here. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that last one just lasted like a day. I mean, ours ours was like a night and that was it. Now it's mm. back up in the 50s and everything else. So it's it's like it, all in the, the tulips started to come up. <laughs> which is not good they're gonna die because it's they're they, they've been tricked into thinking spring is here and it's not yeah that's what they get for listening to that damn groundhog or whatever it is that does the weather yeah, test. We, you know we were talking about the dumb groundhog and it's so funny because when you live in ottawa it's just meaningless right like like the idea that on what is it so it's like february 1st is that one the second the second uh, the idea that winter would be over in Ottawa in six weeks is just laughable. <laughs> just never right. happened. The date has to be differentiated by latitude, of course. For sure. And that has yeah. obviously has not been done. It's obviously very Amerocentric, and I'm sure that's a point of contention for Canadians. Well, it's funny because I was going to say it was Toronto-centric, but we can go with Amer- Americo-centric if you like. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I guess Toronto would probably be the most American Canadian city. No disrespect to Torontonians. Uh, It's a very unique place, but that would probably be the closest. It's true. Definitely not Montreal. Um, And definitely not uh, Vancouver. And not Molesworth, Ontario. (laughs) Molesworth. (laughs) Um, Or Dorking. when it when it got really cold there for that day or two, my my car went completely haywire. <laughs> my car is my car is pretty good uh, typically uh, for managing um, uh, the cold, but uh, all the brake light was on, and I was kind of worried. It was, but uh, it's it's recovered. Yeah, cars just aren't built to be in that kind of cold. You guys need yeah. your own auto industry or something. Canadian cars. I, you know what, Ty? I've said that. Many times it, that would be amazing if there was like a, an auto industry just for Canada and maybe Scandinavia. <laughs> there you go. I mean, Scandinavia's got its own auto industry. They tend to be heavy trucks, or, of course, Volvo and things like that. I don't know if they do sp- specifically well in the cold per se, but maybe they do better. I don't know. It's a good point. All right. Well, what do you got for us today, T? All right. Well, this one's going to be, well, it's a topic we haven't breached yet, or at least very oh. minimally, but I think we need to have a conversation on it. So let That's me hit exciting. it. <laughs> really weird lyrics. Oh, it gets weirder. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Well, what'd you think? Ty, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> what? I mean, cannibalism as a hit? I mean, come on. You know, 
uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start off. There, there's another very famous. Uh, actually, it's not famous at all. But there's a there's another song about can- cannibalism that I'll, I'll point out. But I'm gonna save that till a bit later. Okay, indeed, that'll be part of the discussion. Yeah. Um, this I'll go ahead and say is pro- this is the, this is the biggest hit regarding cannibalism. Okay. <laughs> it's right. probably the best song on cannibalism. So uh, it's it's a wild ride here. This is a this is a very unusual hit. Went to number twenty one, I think it was, in the United States. Guess how high it went in Canada? Number one. No, it didn't go that high, but it went to number nine. Um, oh, so, but still. so it's, it's a, a song intentionally about cannibalism. I mean, the mix of the vocals makes it tricky. You can't, it, it doesn't jump, jump out at you, but here's the story for those who don't know the song. Three guys are trapped in a mine cave in and two of them eat the third one named Timothy. <laughs> and then they find their way out and they're full, but, um, they never find, you know, they've never find the remains of Timothy and there's <laughs> the guy, the singer ha- harbors some guilt uh, for eating Timothy, I suppose. And, um, I, and I just have to, sorry, I have to intervene at this point to say that um, having the prov- having the lyric sheet provided to me, you've missed some of the subtle, the unraveling of the story, <laughs> the way it does. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of done in a nice way that you don't really know what's happening until the no. last. Oh, it's bit. it's a it's a well crafted pop cannibal song. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it went all the way to number nine in Canada. I mean, geez, I know it gets cold up there, and I know the supply lines get tight. But come on, show a little restraint. I mean, give me a, this. You guys just freaking me out half the time here. Okay, are you ready for the history of the song? I, I am fascinated to hear about okay. this. Okay, it was written by Rupert Holmes. Okay, to refresh your memory, he had a massive hit about a decade later named "Escape the Pina Colada" song. Um, so he's going to hit pay dirt with that in a very big way. This is his first song that he wrote and his first hit, his first four-way, foray as a songwriter. He wrote it for a band called The Boys, uh, as in B-U-O-Y, the thing that floats in water to mark a location. <laughs> yeah. um, and he, he collaborated with this band quite a bit, and he wrote it intentionally for them. And, okay, here's where it gets funny. He wrote it intentionally so that it would get banned. He's like, what oh. would get banned up front without any discussion? Cannibalism. But the problem was he failed in his mission to get the song <laughs> banned. Okay. So here, and then here's what happened. The song becomes a hit. And about, you know, as it's rising up the charts, the record company finally catches on to the lyrics and just flip out. <laughs> <laughs> but they got a hit on their hands. Okay. Wow. That's amazing yeah. that they didn't realize until it was released. Wow. Right. And if you don't listen to the song closely, you're you're not necessarily going to pick it up right away. Um mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so they about half, you know, halfway through its run, you know, in 20 weeks on the charts or whatever, they realize it's a song and it's there's no irony, there's no subtle humor. It's a song about eating somebody. <laughs> and they flipped. But they didn't, they're like, well, we can't, we got a hit on our hands. We can't just pull it. 
And so what they did or what they tried to do was say that Timothy was a mule. And (laughs) 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 Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that is so funny. But no one bought it. So, and then, and then Rupert Holmes years later said it was about a duck, but then he was just kidding. Um, it was about it was about exactly what it was what the song's about. This yeah. guilt written conscious about eating your friend Timothy. Um, <laughs> now I was going to prefix this whole podcast with this is the only hit on cannibalism. Sadly, I found another, <laughs> and and so I'm going to play uh, a minute of it for you here. It's a band called Rammstein. Oh, Rammstein, yeah. I always thought it was Rammstein. So, okay, this was... I, I, sorry, just let me intervene for a second. Go for it. I just want to say, the for our dear listeners, the faces and gestures Ty was making while that was playing were truly horrifying, and I'm, I am I will probably have nightmares tonight. I was as frightened as you were seeing in the, in the image here. <laughs> I didn't know I was capable of such, <laughs> such evil... <laughs> no, okay, the song is by Rammstein or Steen. Uh, pl- our German listeners can correct us here. Dr. Frankenstein, are you all right? My name is Frankenstein. It's called Mein Teil, okay? Which mm-hmm. means, okay, this it means my share or my portion, as in food or something like that. But it's okay. also a double entente for uh, body parts, a certain body part of the male anatomy. So, <laughs> mine tile. The toe? No. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tom, maybe you're revealing things that you shouldn't be on the podcast, but no, you get the point. Okay, the, the song... Um, you know, it, went, it charted in a bunch of places, but it went to number one in Spain. Oh, wow. And I'm presuming because they didn't understand a damn thing they were saying. They were just <laughs> rocking out to the lyrics. Right. But the, the song references a case in Germany, Armin uh, Maivase, who online advertised that he was looking for someone to eat on a cannibal fetish website. He found oh, someone God. who agreed to it. Oh. And... So they got together, and let's just say the part that was tried to eat was the person's tile. <laughs> okay, wow. so hence you, you got this wow. double entente of a double entente. So this is my portion, and this is mine tile. <laughs> and it's the same thing. Rammstein, you got to give him credit, okay? <laughs> um, the, the video, if you've not seen it, um, it's, it's unique and it was in Germany, not allowed to be played before 11 o'clock PM because it was so oh, far wow. out. It was right. very, it was very, very widely, um, criticized it, just because it referred to this case. The guy ended up getting eight and a half years in prison. 
Um, oh, wow. Because he ended up killing the guy and then, you know, basically oh, consuming man. him. So I guess it's that's punishable by... Yeah, it, the stories, I mean, you can look it up. The, the details are disturbing. Mm-hmm. And the song is disturbing. I mean, Rammstein is... Their whole their whole shtick is shock value. Always has mm-hmm. been. I mean, the name Rammstein is about the air show that went awry when a you know plane flipped into the crowd. Hey, great mm. name for a band, Rammstein Air Base. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but anyway, that was I. I, I just prefaced all of that by saying there, it turned out not to be the only hit on cannibalism, mm-hmm. just not in just not in the English speaking world. Mm-hmm. Was it so, pretty much just Spain? No, it had other? Spain. It went to number one for some bizarre reason, making Mind Dial uh, a hit song from Mars in its own right. Yeah. Um, in Germany, it charted a little bit here and there, but um, no, it's it, it's definitely that was the end of the line. But I just I wanted think, to. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think uh, I think the Spanish are known for loving heavy music. Well, that would this would certainly qualify. Yeah. Um, and I think it yeah went somewhere in Scotland. It, it charted to a certain point. Yeah, huh. too bad. Too bad we didn't consider that one for the your singing requirement song that you had to write. <laughs> I mean, mine tile just lends itself to steel guitar. <laughs> mine tile nine. Ah! I mean, the, the the potential was just there all the time. Yeah, agreed. But okay, so we got a we got a song about cannibalism on our hands here that got through uh-huh. the the censors and everything else incredibly and became yeah. this yeah you know, fairly significant hit. I mean, it's not an all time legend, but you'll still hear it on you know best of seventies radio and things like that compilations like that. But as I started to think about it, I mean, just, it's okay. This is definitely a hit song from Mars in that in that respect alone. But as I started to think about it. Uh, the business of cannibalism has a way of emerging into pop culture periodically in the weirdest sort of ways. Um, oh, I guess you could call you know a very big hit, uh, Hall and Oates' Maneater, cannibal <laughs> song. <laughs> Watch out, boy, she'll chew you up. But I think we can call that more symbolic than anything I, else. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think but it's safe hey, to say. I don't know. Who knows? But it's a good point, though. Yeah, you can't assume. There's, But if you think about all of this, the things referring to cannibalism in you know, pop culture, it, it comes up time and again. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like um, of co- the things that came to mind immediately were uh, – of course, you ever hear of um, Ed Gein? No. Okay. A uh, mass murderer in Wisconsin in the 1950s who, okay. uh, judging by the theme of our podcast, cannibalized. Uh, what mm-hmm. he did, uh, he did kill people, but he also exhumed recently killed people. I mean, it, it was about as nasty it as it got. Yeah. Um, I think he ended up killing three people before they caught him. But and then you know, body parts became furniture parts and the whole bit. Uh, oh. 
Yeah. It, it, if you People that are into this stuff would know who Ed Gein is. However, as far as pop culture is concerned, he ends up being the inspiration for three generations of classic horror movies. He hmm. was the, he was the inspiration for Psycho. Oh, really? Mrs. Bates. Okay. 1960, yeah. Okay. Uh, that doesn't specifically involve cannibalism, but uh, other elements of the story. Then 1974, I believe it was, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which goes whole hog the other way. There's no subtlety about that movie. <laughs> Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. And then 1989, 1990, Silence of the Lambs. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans. And a nice Chianti. All three legendary horror movies were based on this. Mm, so okay. it, ke- it keeps coming up in the weirdest ways. Um, mm. You could say, you know, the movie, the, the book, Cormac McCarthy book, The Road. Um, mm-hmm. And the movie had cannibalist elements, you know, as a point of horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the most memorable scene of that movie is when they go into the, they discover all these starving people in the basement that are basically the stock of this particular group's, you know, capture. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, gruesome stuff here, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know that song, um, A Tale They Won't Believe by Weddings, Parties, Anything? I don't. I, I mean, I know it's, the band, I don't know the song. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a... I, I think it's like an eight or nine minute song and it's going, it, it, it tells the whole story about, uh, I believe, I think the author's name was Robert Hughes and he wrote, uh, and I believe it's, I, I think it's, I don't think it's fictional, uh, a story of um, basically a group of uh, Australian men who escaped the penal colonies uh, only to discover that trying to live in the wilds of Australia uh, was extremely difficult, and and the basically the the in the song, uh, it's kind of like each verse another another person is is gone. <laughs> oh wow! And everyone and everyone's trying to just stay awake because they know what if they fall asleep, then what's going to happen to them? So that night we made fires out of twigs and out of bark And our stomachs they were rumbling all through the night so dark And they were making noises the death could not ignore And when the sun came up next morning What a five had turned to four And I said, run, there's another one, don't you run Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty crazy story that's the that's the only one I can think of That's, that's again, is, is not uh, just using it uh, as imagery 
i.e. the man-eater. <laughs> right, is, is symbolic. Or, I mean, yeah. or humorously. Yes, right. Uh, you know, let me, uh, Motorheads Eat the Rich was ba- based <laughs> yeah. on a, you know, a movie that I think eventually got made, but they I had a whole, so. a whole album where basically they kill rich people and they wind up on the menu of this restaurant. I never did see it. Eat Greek or eat Chinese. Eat salad or stop a grease. You're on the shelf. Um, eat the rich was a popular expression in the 80s mm-hmm. you'd see the punk rockers and the skinheads wearing eat the rich t-shirts that kind of thing yeah absolutely and of course um if you think about all sorts of expressions, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, sexual insults and things like that. Cat calls eat me is, <laughs> you know, it, it goes into that realm. It why is would funny. Yeah. Why would you actually choose thought that? about it? I've never thought about how many sayings there are that involve that. That involves some, like some sort yeah. of flirtation with, with cannibalism. So <laughs> it, it keeps cropping up. Um, but yeah, again with with Timothy, it just it just was one of the I don't know why on earth Rupert Holmes was trying to, you know, get his own song banned. I guess he was trying the mm-hmm. strategy of if it gets banned, it'll get more attention. Yeah. Which I weirdly worked in a different way. <laughs> yeah, he actually he came up it with almost a, worked it almost worked better than it was intended to work. <laughs> yeah, it, he actually came up with a good song and a catchy yeah. one. Um, before he, yeah, before, this is before he enters his career as a, you know, as a songwriter and a performer himself, which yeah, makes I, you, go ahead. I think that, I don't know, for some reason I find the, the, that he chose the name Timothy funny. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. It gives it a, a well, as you said, the, it's a well-crafted pop song and it gives mm-hmm. it a very, you know, human element. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this person's name uh, and calls him Tim or Timothy in the song and things like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, Wild. Yeah. And the band sung it with a seeming straight face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The that boys. would be hard to sing live, wouldn't it? Without uh, feeling awkward or smirking or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wonder how often it was performed live and, you know, people singing along. Um, yeah. Hmm. But what's or here's the question. I mean, what? Why? Did, what, I mean, this touches some primordial nerve. It, it sort mm-hmm. of slips in and out of the mainstream, like other topics do. And you know, it flirts. It flirts with the humorous, but it also flirts with some very dark stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And the fact that hor- horror movies are, you yeah, know, th- this is the yeah, theme of it. It's a, it's a, it's a horrifying idea to think that you'll. You would be so hungry that you would eat your own kind, <laughs> your own friends and family. It's amazing uh, those those uh, those primal instincts to just stay alive. That you would do such horrifying things just to stay alive. You know, it's interesting. Well, of course, there's the famous incident of the Uruguayan rugby team that uh, the plane went down in the Andes, mm-hmm. and they were most of them. Many of them lived. But obviously there's no food and they exhausted their food supply. Many movies and stuff have been made about it. 
but they ended up, I mean, they never killed one another, but when one would die, the rest would mm. eat. Mm-hmm. And when they were finally rescued, I mean, then, you know, they, it was discovered that they'd been, you know, they'd been cannibalizing their fellows to, mm. to stay alive. Oof. And I think they even, yeah. you know, the survivors, once it started to happen, I think they agreed that, okay, if I die, you know, no one's going to kill anyone, but whoever dies, well, you can go ahead and chow mm. down. Mm. <laughs> well, it does seem a little bit better if there's a consent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just you know, sign the form here. Uh, right. It's like, it's like, instead of giving your body to science, you're giving it to, you know, keeping other people's alive. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe more important, right? Um, and of co- <laughs> of course, the Donner Party. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know the Donner Party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same kind of thing. They they when they're trapped in the winter, there's nothing to eat when there's thirty feet of snow on the ground except each other. And it's when they die, mm-hmm. they 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 did. And that was reference again, pop culture reference. It was referenced in The Shining. Yep. Uh, whenever Jack Nicholson is dri- Jack Torrance in the movies driving his family up to the Overlook Hotel. Uh, they start talking about the Donner Party. Um, it, it's a very memorable scene. They had to, in order to survive. Yeah. Don't worry, Mom. I know all about cannibalism. I saw it on TV. See? It's okay. I saw it on the television. It may be the only scene where Nicholson actually has to do any acting. That's just, that's that's not him just being crazy like he can do so well in his sleep. That's a good point. Yeah, but it, I think I, I can remember my college friends and I watching that movie, and we would just rewind that one-minute clip over and over and over again because it, it was so funny. You see, he saw it on the television. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So did you find any other, other than, uh, you know, uh, the humorous, humorous, uh, humorously presented lyrics about man eating, etc. Did you find, uh, that many other, uh, true references? No, I don't think, actually, I don't think there are any true references. I mean, mm-hmm. Ramstein's being for shock value. This song was meant for whatever reason, not to ever be played. It was meant to also for shock or to be banned. It's not a real song about cannibalism, even though the lyrics, there are no, there's no sense of irony or there's no sense of humor. I mean, it's like this serious, you know, the serious song about an event that happened, but Mm -hmm. I, 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 I have not found one actual song that is about cannibalism. Interesting. I, I, you know, I'm still trying to get to the motivation of this guy. Um, I wonder if he, I wonder if it was almost like a joke to pull on the record company or something. Maybe he, he's like, oh, you're so dumb. You're not even going to know what the, li- <laughs> you're not, you're not even going to listen to the lyrics or something before it gets released. And it's, it's very strange. If for someone who's wanted to launch a career as a songwriter, it seemed to be yeah. completely counterproductive. Just a young, maybe a young guy with a you know, very you know, impish sense of humor but why would you go through all the trouble? I mean, of recording it with a band and everything else with the intent. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make sense. It, with the intent of it being in banned to get attention. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. Or th- well, and then and then you know the thing is is that everyone was playing along at the whole time. 
all the musicians and no one was ever like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't a great idea. I think they were totally <laughs> on board. I mean, yeah. the only thing I could see is that, okay, they maybe in the midst of all these other songs the record company's got to choose from, it just draws attention to this song and they're like, oh, you, oh, this is great, but you got to re-record the lyrics. Oh, okay, we'll do that for our hit. Mm-hmm. But they chose it anyway, and it, it got sent out and, it, you know, published and all that kind of stuff. Don't know. It, you're right. It doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. <laughs> it really makes you question the the, the censorship, doesn't it? <laughs> if something like this can get through, you, you really question what uh, what they're actually doing by censoring songs, you know? Right, and and to be fair, again, the 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 voice is mixed, and the, it's so quick that um, it, it moves along so quickly. You, you're not going to pick it up right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unlike Rammstein, which um, I don't speak a lick of German, but you know, I can pick up occasional words just based on the clarity. How often are, how often yeah. are metal lyrics clear? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Whatever they are, Rosenkranzen and flesh. I mean, I, 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 you know, I can get what they're saying there, and, and it's intentional. It's meant to be disturbing, and it is. Mm-hmm. There's a. I know there's at least one metal band with Cannibal in it. Cannibal Corpse. Okay, there you go. There's probably more. Well, fine, you young, ca- fine young cam- oh, cannibals. Yeah, fine young cannibals. Yeah, that's a funny example, isn't it? Yeah. Very, yeah what a, I never thought about how weird that name is for that band. In <laughs> fine young cannibals, yeah, it's odd. But fine young so cannibals. Odd. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it was a you know the leftovers of the English beat and a couple other ska bands. Uh, yeah, how they came about that title. I mean, I know what the title comes from. It's a movie in the fifties, like a you know, right. like a James Dean movie. Um, right. Maybe they like the movie. I have no clue, but it's an odd name. And they just sort of went by FYC. But you know what? You know you, you sorry. You kind of touched on something here. Um, I've never even, I've that name never even tweaked in my mind that it was weird until this moment. <laughs> so it was just kind of like a word, and I never actually thought about how weird it was that a band like that would call themselves the Fine Young Cannibals, even even if there is a reference from a specific reference from a movie. That's and and it actually it kind of highlights how the song could could kind of just get by. I mean, I don't know, for someone like me, you know, lyrics are certainly not the top thing that I'm listening to in music, so. No, it's the melody. We've established this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> groan, the melody. It's a, lot, it's a lot more than the melody tie, but there needs to be a melody. Um, you know, one of our listeners, Joseph, we're really calling Joseph out a lot these days, pointed out that um, if you want to talk about songs that are, are uh, a monotonous melody, he pointed out every single song by Drake. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know Drake that well, 
but I've never Neither liked either. Drake, and uh, I don't I actually don't get the deal with him, uh, partially because I'm old, maybe. But um, now that I think about it, he does have those very monotonous type of, uh, 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 you know, it's just like lots of, not a lot of melody. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you love it on me. Well, it's primal. What you do, you know, it's, it's all primal. You're just too hung up on melody, Tommy. You just gotta, you gotta chill. There's more than one element to a song. I mean, but it's true. Oh. Every, everyone picks up on a different thing. Um, oh, but let me just finish up Find Young Cannibals, or at least a point I was going to make. And they play, they played up the name. The album, I believe, was called Raw and the Cooked. So they, mm. were, they were really just going for it. Um, but it, this again, is it, so weird. It, 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 like it, none of this ever occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, that it was weird. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it is, it is kind of weird, but it, it also obviously was tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, maybe a discussing cannibalism, <laughs> wrong choice of words. But um, <laughs> you planned that, I swear. You, I did you not. Couldn't, <laughs> for you once, couldn't I have didn't. done better. <laughs> yeah. For once, I didn't plan bad joke. I mean, I, I mean, I can plan a bad joke for years, but I didn't. I, that was spontaneous. All right. I'll pat myself on the. I don't want well, to man. mention body parts when we're talking. Yeah, I feel like you can just sign off now. Your work is done here. Yeah, I've I've landed <laughs> I've landed my attempt at humor. You hit pay um, dirt. Yeah, hit pay dirt. <laughs> Yeah, at least we can talk about dirt uh, as opposed to <laughs> human flesh, be it cooked or raw. But th- yeah, they played it up, but it was never meant to be taken seriously, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so I guess all these things are going under the radar because they're not. Yeah, that's interesting. And there, I mean, also things just chill out as time went on. I mean, if they thought you know, Timothy was going to get banned in 1971. No one tried to ban Ramstein in 2004 or whatever that song came out. It's just, you know, there's more acceptance. There's a lot more leeway into you know, what's acceptable. I don't mm-hmm. want to go too far into this because this will be the topic of another podcast. Okay. But yeah, I mean, just we've we've been desensitized to just about everything. Yeah. So I just came up, uh, sorry, I just came up go. with a, a subgenre of metal. Ready? Go ahead. Cannibal core. Cannibal core. <laughs> That's good. I, maybe it exists already. I wouldn't be surprised. There's about eight, 800 subgenres of metal, so. Right. And, you know, metal, metal's gotten pretty, I was a metalhead. It's pretty unrecognizable now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this one, uh, that, that, uh, that Rammstein song is, I mean, so typical of more modern metal. You got the gothic angelic voices in the background mm-hmm. you know ultra heavy not necessarily even fast and it's yeah that i guess that's called industrial metal i don't know i think it's called yeah. there's there's subgenres industrial metal so i think it's been um, a while since metal made an appearance on our show it's true i know it's weird actually for a while there was every every single episode um you know i'm gonna do, i'm just gonna do a little bit of a a prompt to our listener, Brandon, who's a big metalhead, and maybe he can tell us about more um, uh, metal songs with cannibalism in them, because I bet there's many. 
If it's going to be shocking, metal's going to pick up on it. Exactly. Um, especially something like that. Oh, and here's another one. I mean, in terms of pop culture and cannibalism, or you know, kind of returning to the fore, uh, Netflix just had the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch it, but I mean, there's just a lot of true crime people out there, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I guess it caused quite a stir because it presented Dahmer as uh, something resembling human, mm. as opposed to the embodiment of pure evil. Yeah, and hmm. so there's a moral question there. Um, but he was, you know, it was all the rage about six months ago. This Dahmer biography, or you know, document, not documentary, but se- you know, series. Yeah, Dahmer makes an appearance in a, a Phoebe Bridgers song as well. Um, I can't think of the name, but uh, I'll find it for you. How so? How does Dahmer make an appearance? Just um, his name? He, yeah, his name. Uh, he doesn't guest vocal I think or he's, anything. Th- I think it was it, it. No, no, no. He it comes up in the song, and I think she sings something like, "We were s- sitting talking about Dahmer on your couch" or something like that. Sometimes I think I'm a killer I scared you in your house I even scared myself by talking about Dahmer on your couch But I can't sleep Okay, yeah, <laughs> a romantic evening for two. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> Put well, on Bridgers a little... Is, Phoebe Bridgers is kind of edgy. She's interesting, you know? She, uh... We featured her once before. She had that line about uh, Lemmy and Bowie. Oh, remember? right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, just, anyway. I'm just thinking about her romantic evening. Uh, put on a little <laughs> Rammstein, a box of wine. You got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, now I'm curious. I'll have to look it up. So she's, she's into, well, okay. She's into the somewhat the shocking. Well, I think, I think what, I think the thing is, is that, I think we have to acknowledge that all of us have a little, little bit of a dark side. And I think um, exploring that dark side in a safe way <laughs> is is better than exploring it in a way that's uh, horrifying. So I think sometimes, you know what I mean, acknowledging our, our dark side is probably better than, um, you know, taking action on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think we're in agreement on this point, Tom. <laughs> Um, no, no one one should live their most perverse fantasies <laughs> at all times, um, or 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 the fear of it. Um, for example, I mean, horror movies are controlled mm-hmm. con- confrontation of fear, mm-hmm. and you know you you I mean you could be really scared, but you you kind of deep down know you're safe mm-hmm. unless it really gets under your skin psychologically. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I mean. I, oh, I'm not a. I mean, I'm not a fan per se of the horror genre, especially not slasher stuff. Um, obviously, you know, people people really get into it, and a friend of mine's really into it, and and he says it. It you know, it provokes a reaction in him that you know, it, whether it's startling or whatever, and there, you know, it's it's something that's there. Mm-hmm. But um, the the one that gets to me. Uh, filmed in Canada too, by the way. Just mm. I, I'm just remembering this. It was a slasher movie. It's really just the first two or three minutes of it. 
Um, I'll just go ahead and recount the first two or three minutes. Um, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and she's the cre- the queen of Scream. Uh, she oh, yeah. was at the time, you know, Halloween mm-hmm. and, and just about everything else. She 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 that was her niche mm-hmm. until I think the fish a fish called Wanda, where she broke out of that mold. Probably, she, she, you know, she had a lot going for her besides the queen of Scream, mm-hmm. and. So the movies like this, there's the the slasher genre is always something along the lines of the prank that goes wrong, and the revenge is the rest of the movie. So with with uh, Terror Train, what it is, it's a group of med school students, and one of them is a prankster, and one one that's aspiring is a very much this nerdy guy. And so, I mean, one of the pranks was he, the, the prankster would be walking around like, hey, how are you doing? And he's got a corpse's hand and, you know, <laughs> and makes people shake yeah. it. Right. Um, but the, 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 the part where it, it's freaky is they trick this nerdy guy. They convince Jamie Lee Curtis to lure him into the bedroom, but she's hiding behind the scenes. I uh, can't remember the guy. Uh, Come on in, Kenny. I'm right over here. And you look in, you see the outline of a woman <laughs> in the bed. And then so Kenny goes and starts hugging and kissing and then fall the the woman falls apart. It's body parts. It's a corpse. Ooh. And Kenny flips out and then he's gonna be the <laughs> revenge killer. Kiss me, Kenny. Kiss me. Kiss me. But it's so ridiculously fake. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. pathetic. (laughs) But nevertheless, that freaks me out. Hmm. It it gets under my, you know, it gets gets into my subconscious. Whatever that, whatever that's trigger, whatever that's triggering, Mm -hmm. it's it it somehow it 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 gets to me. As a kid, I watched it all the time because I I because it was so badly done that I'm like, oh, they they had a cardboard cutout body. It's why is he so mm. upset about this? But as an yeah. adult, I'm like, oh, that was supposed to be a corpse, <laughs> right? You know, so, t- you know, Ty. Something occurs to me. It, it's it's just so strange how we uh, we put ourselves in situations where we 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 like to scare ourselves. Like, what an interesting um, instinct that is. We go we go on roller coasters and we go to we what we watch scary movies and. You know, we do all these things just with the sole intention of scaring ourselves. Not nest, you know, like not too much, but it's it's an it's a very weird thing that we do because if you go back, you know, like if you go back into ancient times, like fear was a, a mechanism to escape death, basically, <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's not being you know used enough. It needs to be used. I don't know. You're yeah. totally right. Um, I used to go rock climbing and that was in, in, you know, some of the big climbs like the Sugarloaf in, in Rio is one of the ones I did. It's 1,299 feet. Um, it's as close as I've come to chickening out, but then actually doing it Mm -hmm. and just rock climbing in general. It's, it's sort of like I have to confront myself. 
I'm not the Indiana Jones I think I am at home. <laughs> and, it, right. it, and I'm half scared out of my mind, but yet mm-hmm. I got to do it. I got to take mm-hmm. the challenge and push it. And, you know, it, it's a lo- it was a love, I don't do it anymore, uh, but it was a love or a love hate thing. If I was going to go climbing, I wouldn't sleep the whole night before mm-hmm. because I'd be scared. I mean, mm-hmm. but yet I did it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's something to what you're saying to be sure. Yeah. And I think about some of the stuff, some of the sports I do and, and I wonder, I mean, I think it's, it's about the exercise, it's about the experience, but there, there's probably some element of it where, you know, downhill skiing, some, you know, you could, there's a danger there. Mountain biking, there's definitely a danger there. Absolutely. Um, and maybe there's a small part of that, that, that adds to the excitement of, of doing those sports. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there was a documentary fairly recently. It's about, uh, he actually, I think he's come up on our podcast before Alex Humboldt, the free solo climber. Mm-hmm. And what the one, one, they're like, why, you know, he, he climbs these ridiculous, you know, like, you know, half dome and in, in El Capitan and in, in yellow in Yosemite park with no mm-hmm. ropes. Yeah, and not it's not like it's these big ladders. I mean, incredibly hard climbs, even mm-hmm. for the best climbers, and he just does mm-hmm. it without ropes. But they start. They actually, curiously, in the in the documentary, they analyzed his brain, mm-hmm. and one of the theories is in order he lacks a certain um what whatever chemical in, there's a certain chemical imbalance. Where to put himself in these extreme situations, he feels normal. Mm. It's a way to feel normal where the rest of mm. us feel normal. And when we're in that situation, it's like high terror. Everything is wrong with this. Get out of the situation. But for wow. him, it's a, it's a relief from the, from the absence or from a blank spot in his being. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's like he just has a different level of... That makes a lot of sense to me, you know, because I think, you know, some some people, we've discussed this before, but some people, they just, uh, they're very good under pressure. I wouldn't say I'm one of them, but um, some people, they just thrive and it's, it's it, 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 they actually shine when they're under pressure. And if they don't have pressure, they don't. <laughs> and so it's, it's, this is a slightly different thing, but. No, it's, I think sort it's of, the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's, that's so interesting that, that they, they would need that kind of, it makes sense. I mean, there's, there's a lot of daredevils and it makes sense that they need that kind of stimulation to just feel, nor- it's interesting to think that it, to just to feel normal. That's crazy. Yeah, it, 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 and they clearly presented it as something was wrong here. This isn't this isn't yeah. a normal situation. Like my good friend Arna, uh, German theme today. He's from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed to be absolutely fearless, mm-hmm. and so I do stuff. I mean, I climb, in fact, he's the one who got me into rock climbing. Uh, but we would he it, it, sort of like doing the stuff he wanted to do, and I was happy to do it. I was up for the adventure. Um, it was effortless and he did well at it. And, you know, he's, you know, going down a mountain on, you know, going super fast or whatever on a bike, I'm scared out of my mind, he's casually going down. So th- there seems to be various levels. And then he talked about a person he knew that scared the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. You know, it, yeah. Uh, that person must've been really scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild, but it's funny. Cause you know, in a, in a, 
evolutionarily, I don't know if that's a word. I think it um, is. It, it kind of it kind of would make sense. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion these days about how, um, you know, we we have all these uh, medicalizations of of you know mental illness and all these things, and and some of the things like ADHD and stuff like that. They're saying that actually in in primitive times that that would actually be a, a some benefit. kind of benefit exactly. And so what I'm thinking is having someone who's a total daredevil in your tribe, that might be an important thing to have <laughs> where, where they, because no one's going to, otherwise no one's going to do that crazy thing that that person's willing to do. Yeah. It makes sense. Something. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. All these things that have no place in human, in modern society, they're seen as illnesses may have been a benefit uh, you yeah. know, I, I was thinking, you know, like something like autism, for example, that, that could be your shaman, mm -hmm. um, something, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And mm -hmm. just you speak of tribes and you speak of, you know, that kind of thing. I, uh, like crazy horse, famous Indian chief. Um, first of all, I, I do not like s sort of this generalized, oh, he's, he's got this, this, and this, he's on the spectrum. He's whatever. I, mm -hmm. I, I really mm -hmm. don't like that. Yeah, same here. Uh, but uh, in the case of Crazy Horse, one of my heroes, he um, he was known by his own group, the Oglala Sioux, as he was seen as very odd and very strange. So he was a, in a very beloved way. He's like our beloved strange man, hmm. and he's their leader. And he was mm -hmm. fearless. He was absolutely right. fearless. Um, and you know he 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 didn't he didn't get killed on the battlefield. He eventually died in prison because he was yeah, long story, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, someone who, who those, those unique traits that may be seen as odd under these circumstances were very, very much what the group needed at that moment. Exactly. exactly. And, and if you think about even things like schizophrenia, that at, at, in earlier times that could be seen as speaking to the gods. You're hearing voices that could be, you know, that that could be something channeling from outside of your existence. That you know, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there was a case. I mean, it was like this isn't any time recent. Like in the mid '80s, where it was this guy in Utah was getting he. he Kill, I believe he killed. No, he did. He killed people by receiving messages from God, mm. and so he goes to he goes to trial. And I can't. I can't. This was a tricky thing. Um, he, obviously, he was punished and all that. But if it was pre-internet, or this would have been a bigger deal. But it was like this. The, uh, basically a lot of people were horrified that he was going to be basically declared insane and unfit for trial for hearing voices in his head. And then a lot of people were like, wait a minute, to say that someone's communicating with God is insane <laughs> puts a whole new twist on, you know, on religion. But mm -hmm. it didn't come down to that. I, I can't remember how it unfolded. And again, pre-internet. And also, curiously enough, God told him to kill the people he hated the most. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't just a random person in St. Louis. It was the person he hated the most. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. So that was a, a really, really good book, too, is by John John Krakauer. There's another one there who is one of these guys that's just, you know, batshit crazy. He was on Mount Everest during you know, one of these big, you know, a whole bunch of people died. He got fiercely criticized for it. Great writer. Uh, he wrote about that. But he's one that it seems to be has to be on the edge or something doesn't feel right. 
It's funny. It's funny. All these. I'm. I'm just thinking back to all these, these, these terms that we use that are positive, like killer. Like that's a killer song. <laughs> like this is weird. It's pretty weird when you actually analyze it. I'm like that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. That stuff kind of comes and goes. These negative terms become positive and vice versa. It's funny though. There's so many. You know, like you could say, "Oh, I really slayed." really slayed, slayed on stage or something, you know? It's just funny how many of these terms are in our vocabulary and we don't really think twice about what the actual what, meaning is. What they mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're getting to the bottom of it now. I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> Indeed. we're, we're gonna solve the great mystery right here on this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. But indeed, definitely true stuff. Psycho killer. Keska This is a perfect example of what we're talking about. I mean, David Byrne wrote that song with the idea of everyone's fascinated by the psycho killer. So I'm going to mm-hmm. write a song from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he talks about the way he's thinking. And um, when I have nothing to say, my lips are sealed. It, it just, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. And again, David Byrne being one of these people on the edge of what's acceptable in quote unquote, you know, civilized society. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, you hungry for lunch now? <laughs> I'm famished. Might be yeah, all uh, the, might yeah, be a vegetarian this... meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fruitarian would see you as being completely you know, unacceptably. You know, I know sh- shredding those poor vegetables innocently, ripped from their ripped from their ground. Well, you know, a lot of people say that veg plants have feelings too, man. Oh, apples! Oh, look! Oh. Ouch! What do you think you're doing? We've been walking a long ways and I was hungry and... Did you say something? She was hungry. She was hungry! Well, how would you like to have someone come along and pick something off of you? Oh dear. That's right. That's fruitarians and you know they only take what has fallen to the earth and they and they communicate underground. Did you hear about that about the trees? The trees uh communicating with each other? It's insane. Uh no, I have. They've basically proven they've basically proven that trees communicate with each other and if one of the trees in the forest is uh malnourished or something that they actually channel more resources to that tree. They work as a group. Yeah, interesting. You look, you look a tr- skeptical. A true community. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I think you've been drinking too many Pepsis. <laughs> well, I think you should look it up and get back to me in the next episode, Ty. All right. Uh, challenge is on. Let's see if trees are communicating. Oh, wait. M- the one out here is waving at me right now. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. They're not communicating with you, Ty. They don't care oh, about Oh, they're communicating you. with they you. Aren't own. we holier than thou <laughs> tree man here? Okay. <laughs> Tommy Tree. There we go. That's me.
Thanks for tuning in to TNT's Hit Songs from Mars. We hope you enjoyed yourself and learned a few things along the way. For a complete list of songs you heard in this episode, visit us at hsfm.buzzsprout.com. We hope you'll support the artists we featured by purchasing their music. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and you'll receive new episodes as soon as they become available. While you're at it, if you could give us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast, that would really help us out. We would like to thank The Reverb Syndicate for providing the theme song for our podcast. They have an extensive catalog of tunes just as rockin' as the one you hear here. Here, here. You can find them at thereverbsyndicate.ca and on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp, which typically pays artists the most. We would also like to thank Eric Minot for designing our podcast icon. You can find his design and illustration work on Instagram at Graphics. That's M-I-N-O-G-R-A-P-H-X. You can connect with us on Twitter at Songs From Mars and at hsfm.buzzsprout.com. Feel free to disagree, praise, correct, and chastise us. We would also love to hear your idea of a hit song from Mars and why you think it fits the mold. Even better, if you felt like recording a voice memo and sending it our way, you can email us at hitsongsfrommars at gmail.com. We may even feature it on the show. Until next time, Earthlings. <laughs>